What's up, DMV? How's everybody doing tonight? 106.7 The Fan is on your AM FM dial. We are on the Odyssey app and we're on the stream at thefandc.com. However, you're tuned in tonight. We appreciate you hanging out with us for just a bit. I am Danny Noakes. Caitlin is in studio producing the show. And we're now going to be with you here for about 41 minutes. Jumping off the air tonight at 8.45, we lead you right into Georgetown basketball coverage. Georgetown at home inside Capital One Arena for a 9 o'clock tip-off later on tonight, not even an hour from now. 800-636-1067, that's the MGM National Harbor listener line if you want to get in on the conversation at all over the next three segments. That is all that we have left now in this show. So we had some good calls there in the 7 o'clock hour as well as the 6 o'clock hour. Appreciate everybody hitting us up. Captain Todd most recently talking some Nats, talking some Strasburg. Another setback for Steven as he tries to make his way to spring training. Doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. So we will continue to monitor that situation as we get closer to the start of the 2023 campaign for the Nats, which is about a month and change away. But we do not often talk about the Washington Wizards on this station and really around this area a whole lot anymore, it seems. And that is probably for good reason, if you ask me, because I could make the argument here that despite the status that the Nationals are at right now, the Wizards are actually the furthest team from competing for a championship among the four major D.C. sports. And and you might point to the Nats, who are the worst team in Major League Baseball last year. They might be that again here in 2023, but I would counter by saying that at least the Nats have acquired pieces and selling off their World Series winning assets to try and build the franchise back to where it was a few years ago. They have a future. They got guys that are going to come up over the next couple of years that are good. The Wizards do not have that, nor do the Wizards have a track record of drafting well anyway. And the difference between the NBA and Major League Baseball and the NFL and the NHL is that you basically need two bona fide superstars to even be in the consideration for a NBA championship, right? And, and the Wizards don't have one. The Wizards don't even have a single bona fide superstar. They have a couple of all-stars, but they don't have a bona fide superstar. And the Wizards to their credit, have won their last two games going into the All-Star break and now have the next couple of nights off with All-Star weekend in the rearview mirror. They find themselves in the NBA's play-in game scenario for the playoffs in 2023. They're currently sitting in ninth place of the Eastern Conference, third in the Southeast Division, and they won't play their first game until after the All-Star break, uh, or when that finally concludes, which is Friday night. And they'll be in D.C. hosting the New York Knicks, who are just ahead of the Miami Heat for the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. And the Knicks, as it stands right now, would be kept out of the play-in scenario. So they will be motivated to come in and win that game. Guys are like Denny Avdia is improving, right? It's, it sounds like Porzingis has kind of taken him under his wing and he's started to help him sort of develop. That's great. But we know that the, the ceiling for this team is, is not very high, even when they're playing at their best. Now, the All-Star game and All-Star weekend, that is a completely different conversation and a completely different uh, sort of thing to, to talk about here because... 
the game and, and All-Star Weekend appear to have been a complete bust for, for the NBA this year. This year's game was the least watched All-Star game in NBA history. It dropped 29% in the ratings from last year. That's ridiculous. And they're also saying that this year's game was, quote, well behind the rating for this year's NFL Pro Bowl. Now, we all know that the Pro Bowl doesn't exist anymore as a single game. It's a series of competitions that the NFL has come up with to ensure that the NFL players don't have to suit up for a game that means even less than a preseason game, but to play a sport that's ridiculously violent. It's pretty understandable why the NFL has has moved away from from playing a pointless game. And and, and some people are are tying the NBA ratings bomb to quote woke politics, which is hilarious to me because the same people that will tell you that the NBA ratings are suffering because of woke politics are also the same people that were saying that the NFL had gone woke and that the NFL is literally setting every single ratings record in the league's history. They're by far the most watched product on any television in this country. And when the Super Bowl comes around every year, that's every television in the world. So not surprisingly, the people that would say that don't know what they're talking about. But from an all-star game perspective, why aren't people tuning in? Well, you got a bunch of no names competing in the dunk contest and the three-point contest. Mac McClung, who I've known about for a long time, a lot longer than most of you guys out there listening because he's from Southwest Virginia. And having been down there in Blacksburg for three years after I graduated from Virginia Tech, he was a very popular individual down there. Went to a high school called Gate City. All right, Mac McClung won the dunk contest this year. It's a great story. Don't get me wrong. You could probably turn it into a movie. And I've watched, again, I've watched a lot of Mac McClung, a lot of highlights. Southwest Virginia guy, the highlight tapes have been the hottest thing since sliced bread in that part of the state for a while now. And I used to host my radio shows down there. People couldn't get enough of them. And that was before he committed to Georgetown, right? Anybody even remember that he went to Georgetown for a little bit, then transferred to, Virgi- to Texas Tech? But the reality is, there isn't a single fringe fan of the NBA that's going to tune in to watch Mac McClung compete in the dunk contest. None. Nobody knows who he is. People already assume that the dunk contest is a shell of what it used to be, and they would be correct, because for several years you've had very few notable players competing in the dunk contest. I mean, he's literally played in two career NBA games. Of course no one knows who he is. And, and again, I'm happy for him. Don't get me wrong. I, I, it's not that I'm trying to take anything away, but if you're looking for ratings, if you want eyeballs on the screens, butts in the seats, fans want to see LeBron finally do a dunk contest, right? And that's probably that ship probably sailed five, if not ten years ago for LeBron to compete in a dunk contest because he's never going to do it at this point. But someone that they actually recognize. I think the product is kind of broken. You know, people will talk a lot about how the NBA's player mobility is one of the best things that it has going for it. And I used to agree with that. But now I'm not necessarily sure because it's hard to keep up with where these guys are at now. I mean, if, if you haven't been watching the NBA at all this season, what's the, what's the biggest news of the year, right? I'll, I'll give you three seconds to think about it. What's the, biggest, what's the biggest news of the year so far? You think it was the Kyrie trade? No, it was the Durant trade. Kevin Durant is 
in Phoenix now. I almost I had to remind myself of that. And and, and <laughs> I'm a sports radio host. Like it's 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 just not the same level of entertaining that that it used to be. And and it's been a slow crawl to that point. And and I've long held the belief that NBA players only try about they probably give about 70% effort night in and night out in the regular season and it just makes it boring. It's just boring. And and if you like it, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like I tell people that like the WWE. If that's your thing, by all means. Everybody's got the thing that they like. But if you're looking to for a reason as to why these ratings have dipped so far, I just gave you several right there. You've got guys going all over the league every single year. Someone like Kyrie Irving, who is, is you know one of the best point guards in the league right now, and you'd probably have a, a hard time if, if you're a fringe fan reciting all of the teams that he's played for since he left Cleveland. It's been a lot. It's, it, there's been a lot that's happened. And, and it's not that I think sticking around for that like Michael Jordan did for, for his entire career playing in, in Chicago with the exception of coming out of retirement to play in D.C. But I, I, think, they, I think they've got a problem similar to baseball on their hand. And, and, and really, I think the NFL is the only one that doesn't have the problems that these other sports leagues are doing because the reality is television is not as often viewed in – the linear version of what it used to be anymore because people just watch stuff on demand they'll they'll stream whatever they need from amazon prime and netflix and hulu and disney plus and whatnot there's not a whole people are cutting the cable left and right they forget that they even have espn plus so they can watch the the, the next nba game you know it's 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 not unique to the nba at all not at all the NHL and, and Major League Baseball are, are suffering dips in their ratings. They're suffering dips in attendance. And that's not to say that the NFL hasn't experienced somewhat of a dip in attendance, too. They're just not worried or need to worry because they're they're in such a good spot with everything that has that comes from a television standpoint. Because the biggest piece of money that any of these leagues move around on, on any given year, or at least when broadcast rights are, are up for renewal... That's exactly what the largest sum of money goes towards. It's broadcast rights. Who has the rights to broadcast Monday Night Football or the NFL in general, right? Those are the biggest deals that get struck, not Aaron Rodgers and his giant contract. That is completely dwarfed by the money that's, that's being thrown around when it comes to broadcast media rights in, in these leagues. How much more is it, is it going to be worth it outside of the NFL? I don't know. Award shows, whether it's been the the Golden Globes or what had the Grammys, the the Grammys did better this past year, but it's still way down from where it was pre-pandemic, and and that's pretty much been the case for almost every piece of live television. So the NBA's got an issue on its hands, and I I don't think it's one thing that you can point to, but. You know, you wonder what efforts they might take to try and 
at least make things a little bit better from that standpoint because the, those ratings are, are the worst in league history. All right, let's get out of here. Let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. The D.C. Defenders are back in D.C. They're 1-0. They got a win over the Seattle Sea Dragons this past weekend. Another big game upcoming this weekend as well. We'll talk about the other football team here in the district. It's the Defenders coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. Just a couple of segments to go tonight on Overtime, 106.7 The Fan. Danny Noakes with you till 8.45. Then we hand things off to Georgetown Basketball. Some pregame coverage coming up at about that time. 9 o'clock tip-off for the Hoyas inside Capital One Arena. St. John's on the docket for Georgetown tonight. Stick around later on. You'll hear a little Hoyas hoops right here on 106.7 The Fan. For now, it's Danny Noakes for Overtime. Caitlin in studio producing the show. Shout out to Scott Hansen, host of NFL Red Zone, tweeting this earlier today, quote, 200 days until NFL Red Zone, end quote. So we got 200 days until our first full Sunday of NFL football, and we get to sit there for seven hours of commercial-free football with Scott Hansen. I look forward to that. I know you all do as well. But the good news is we have football ongoing in the district right now. Not right this second, but for another couple of weeks, for another month and change, because the D.C. Defenders are back. And the Defenders in the XFL won their season opener over at Audi Field over the Seattle Sea Dragons, 22-18, to the final score. You can believe this. They remain in the top spot of CBSSports.com's XFL Power Rankings. Seriously, I, I was wondering when the last time a team from D.C. was at the top of any power rankings. Right, it, it had to have been, I don't know, maybe at the end of the 2019 baseball season when the Nats had won it all. I don't even know if anybody would put them at the top of those power rankings, even as World Series champions, because they would have assumed that another team could come in there and, and knock them off, even though that wasn't the case that season. And and for the defenders, the key word in that phrase is remain. So they were in the top spot to start the season and they have stayed there through just one game so far. So there is still quite a bit of football to be played in the XFL this year. But their next game for the Defenders, Saturday, on the road, they're going to travel to Las Vegas to play the Vegas Vipers, 7 o'clock kickoff Saturday evening. Game will be televised on FX. It's kind of a bizarre schedule for the Defenders who play either the Vipers or the St. Louis Battlehawks for each of the next four weeks. So I mentioned they play at Vegas this weekend. Then they come back home for a game against the Battle Hawks of St. Louis next weekend. They're home once more for another tilt with Vegas on March 12th. And then they go back on the road at St. Louis on March 18th. So at Vegas, home against St. Louis, home against Vegas, then at St. Louis. <laughs> it's a very weird schedule. And one that, that you'll only see from a team playing in the XFL. But there, there was some drama off the field at the Defenders game on Sunday night. I saw fans were attempting to recreate their iconic beer snake from the 2020 season with empty cups of beer. I even know some of the individuals that are featured in that very frequently replayed clip of the Defenders 2020 season. I have some friends that, that uh, are featured in that footage, which is 
incredibly comical every time that it comes up because inevitably when people talk about the defenders if you don't live in washington dc that's the first thing that they think of and even if you do live here that's probably the first thing that you think of they're a pretty good team though and they were in 2020 but it didn't take long in the game on sunday night for the stadium security to come over and to confiscate the cups from the fans and told them to stop making beer snakes so how did defenders fans respond to being told to stop creating the beer snake well they started throwing lemons onto the field lemons yes and people were wondering where the heck did all these fans get lemons did they just bring lemons to the game every week what happens there right kind of kind of like a tennessee when somebody threw a bottle of mustard onto the field right it's like did you really bring a bottle of mustard in here just so you could throw it down onto the field i mean what are you thinking but so where did the lemons come from well i have to imagine either the homemade lemonade or, or maybe even a vodka lemonade right i know I'm not alone in having had one or two too many vodka lemonades hanging out with some friends before a Nats game. <laughs> in fact, I see people that, that made that same mistake every time I visit Nats Park. It, it brings back hilarious memories. Uh, it's always it, – it, it, it's – it, it, it's a lot of fun. I, I'm trying not to throw anybody under the bus here. Uh, shout out to our friends at the bullpen in, in D.C., right outside of Nats Park, right? that that There's a lot of uh, fun to be had in that particular establishment, and that's where you can get some vodka lemonades. Uh, but Nats Park being just up the street from Addy Field, I imagine that there are some similar concessions. So I have to imagine that that's probably where the lemons came from. But I digress. Just a little bit of fun here in this segment as we look back on the defender's Week one win over the Seattle Sea Dragons. And again, they are on the road this weekend at Vegas. They get the Vegas Vipers 7 o'clock kickoff on Saturday night. You can watch that game on FX. All right, we will step aside. We're going to take a quick break. It'll be our final break of the evening. When we come back, we will wrap up the show with some final thoughts. And we'll send you off to Georgetown Basketball, which is coming your way at about 8.45 with pregame coverage and a 9 o'clock tip-off from Capital One Arena. Stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Thanks for joining us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Danny Noakes with you. Now a little bit longer than we had originally planned. We're supposed to be off the air at 8.45, but... The Georgetown men's basketball game being delayed just slightly. So we'll be with you for about an additional five or so minutes. So a little bit of a longer segment here to close things out. We'll wrap things up, tie a nice bow on everything that we've been discussing here throughout tonight's program. 800-636-1067. That's the MGM National Harbor listener line. We now have a little bit of extra time to take a couple of calls. If anybody wants to hit us up there, figured we'd talk some more football here in this segment. And my guy, Captain Todd, who called in earlier today, heard us talking about the defenders and said this on Twitter, quote, we got to talk defenders next show. I watched every minute of that game and it was awesome, except them taking the beer snake away. But so much fun watching Greg Williams and that team. Very excited for the XFL in DC again. Well said, Todd. Agree with every word that you said. I didn't even mention the fact that Greg Williams is, is the defensive coordinator for the D.C. Defenders, which, of course, is a, a really cool full-circle moment as Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator here for several years of the Washington Redskins. And 
he did a <laughs> he did a funny interview. This I'll, I'll call it a funny interview only because of how comical it was to listen to the junkies sort of. Um, I, I what's what's even the right word to describe how they sort of received the interview? They 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 were sort of starstruck, or or they were just kind of man crushing on on Greg Williams. They loved his mentality and uh, everything that that he said as a part of that interview, which you can listen to at thefandc.com. Go check out the podcast. It's also a part of a article on one zero six seven the fan that Greg Williams talked about several things in that interview but one of the things that he talked about and i'm always going to bring this up when i have the chance to do it because he's my favorite player of all time and he was before he died but greg williams still maintains that sean taylor was the best player that he ever coached in his pretty long and successful nfl career now i think of some of the the other guys that that greg williams coached and one of the first that comes to mind is jonathan vilma who was on uh, that super bowl winning new orleans saints team that greg williams was the defensive coordinator for and that had a not only drew Brees and, and a vaunted offense but they also had a very good defense that is also obviously known as the bounty gate scandal yes the bounty gate whole ordeal was orchestrated by greg williams and was said to have taken place uh, at other franchises around the league, not just the New Orleans Saints, and and the at the time the Washington Redskins were were also brought up in that conversation. But I always think it's interesting whenever you get to hear somebody talk about Sean Taylor. You know, I I used to do a pregame show with Pearson Prelo, who is now on the coaching staff at Virginia Tech. He's a part of Brent Pry's coaching staff on the football team. And Pearson and I, for three seasons, did pregame coverage on the Hokies flagship station for their football program. And I used to I used to ask Pearson about Sean Taylor all the time because Pearson not only got to play with Sean Taylor, but he was also on the Saints team that won the Super Bowl that, that I was just talking about with Greg Williams as the defensive coordinator and Jonathan Vilma. And he got to play against some some really talented players in his in his tenure uh not just in in the pros but also in college as well and to hear him talk about that it's a it's always really cool uh michael vick uh, is also someone that i do podcasts with uh during football season and, and he has talked about the the talent that 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 sean taylor had so that that was really cool uh but i digress because we were talking about greg williams we're talking about the dc defenders i am also just glad that the xfl is back i thought that it was a lot of fun to watch in its second iteration in 2020 because obviously the first iteration was from the early 2000s i actually have some memories of watching that one as well we still have at home by the way at least two xfl footballs from the first go around back in the early 2000s yes we still have a couple of those footballs we were throwing them around the beach in the outer banks just a couple of months ago as a matter of fact uh but so it's it's fun i I don't no one's trying to compete with the nfl because no one can compete with the nfl but what they can do is they can capitalize on what the nfl does well which is football and people love football and that's what the XFL, that's what the USFL are meant to do. And and obviously these other iterations of spring pro football, I you had what? What was it? The the AAF from a couple of years ago. Um, Johnny Manziel ended up playing in, in one of those random leagues that has since folded. But 
Uh, the XFL was the one league of all of those since 2020 uh, that seemed to have some st- solid footing underneath of it. Now, I did look at the ratings for the first several uh, XFL games this year, and they're, they're, they're quite low compared to the 2020 season. And, and that's a little bit of a concern because, you know, I, I already talked about when we were having our discussion about the NBA – and declining viewership and why all the all-star weekend was, was so seldom watched by people across the country it, the all-star game in the NBA had the lowest ratings of all time, uh, since it, since its inception. So people are sort of wondering why is that happening? Well, it's, it's been happening since the pandemic just in general, but it's also a trend in media where people are moving away from watching live broadcasts. People are more about being able to do things on demand. And I actually also read something else about how the newer generations coming up are just not as fascinated with sports. Take that with a grain of salt, take it as you may. There's, several factors to that but that that not all has to be grouped together when, when you start to look at the xfl as a product and the ratings and how many people are watching it because as we said when it comes to the biggest sums of money that are wrapped up in these professional sports leagues in this country the most the largest sum of it is in the tv rights deals it's several hundred million often cracking the billions of dollars to, to ensure that these major media networks can broadcast the game, specifically the NFL. The NFL's broadcast media rights are, are ridiculously high at this point. So it's great that the defenders are back here in D.C. I think the, the defenders have been as well received here in the district as any team in the XFL. You, I already mentioned how they're at the top of the power rankings for CBS Sports how long that lasts we'll have to see but fans around here genuinely seem to enjoy going to those games now they'll they'll have to show it right they'll they'll have to show they'll have to show it by showing up and and doing so throughout the entirety of the season and not just for week 1 so we'll see how it all plays out but uh back to what our guy Todd had originally tweeted I'm I'm glad that we'll get to watch some defenders football here this end of winter into the early spring as as we try to to sort of mend the time or, or pass the time between now and, and football season even though I'll, I'll be watching the Nats I'll be watching the, the, the Caps end of their season you know even throwing a little bit of Wizards every now and then of course why not but you've got some other news in, in the NFL too we stay on the topic of football and, and move out of the XFL. Again, the defenders back in action, 7 o'clock on Saturday. They're in Vegas to play the Vipers. You can watch it on FX. But the Tennessee Titans made a couple of moves today to get under the salary cap, and, and they first released longtime left tackle Taylor Lewan. They released wide receiver Robert Woods, inside linebacker Zach Cunningham, and, and kicker Randy Bullock. Now, they cleared up about $14.8 million by releasing Taylor Lewan and, and $12 million by releasing Robert Woods. Those are obviously the two biggest names right there. But when I, when I saw Taylor Lewan's name pop up on this, uh, on, on this list, there, there were several things that went through my mind, right? Obviously, he's got a very popular podcast called Bustin' with the Boys uh, for Barstool Sports that he does alongside Will Compton. Will Compton also... Technically a current free agent NFL linebacker. He's a former Redskin, former Tennessee Titan as well. 
likely where he got to know Taylor Lewan, their time uh, in Tennessee crossing over with one another. But when you look at this from a commander standpoint, the commanders needed significant help on their offensive line. And when I see someone that, that I know that's as talented as someone like Taylor Lewan is, it, there's at least a an alarm that goes off in your head that says, oh, okay, that, that could be something to look at. But I think from this particular perspective, Lewan is someone that has had some injuries recently and someone that the, a team like the Commanders, who is certainly trying to shore up their offensive line, is better served by going to the draft for that, right? That's one of the few things that the Commanders have actually done pretty well at over what the last 10 or so years uh, you, you actually got to stretch it out a little bit longer than that because I'm going to reference Trent Williams who was a Redskins draft pick a top 10 draft pick and I remember when Trent Williams was coming out of Oklahoma there was a big debate about whether or not the Washington should take Trent Williams or Russell Okung Russell Okung was coming out of Oklahoma State that year and Russell Okung is no longer in the league and Trent Williams just signed one of the biggest deals that an offensive lineman has ever signed in the NFL. It might actually be the the largest deal in NFL history, but it'll at some point very soon here be topped as that's just always the case in the national football league at any position, not just at left tackle or offensive line or anything like that. Trent Williams was a high draft pick. Brandon Sheriff was, was a, a first round pick by this team. Sam Cosme definitely has some developing still to do for the commanders and, and he being a more recent draft pick. Uh, but I, but I do see potential there and he was obviously not a first round draft pick. So the expectations not quite as high when it comes to him, but the commanders, the football team, the Redskins, however you want to view this conversation over the last 10, 15 years, they've, they've actually done pretty well with drafting offensive linemen. And you want to go back even further than that, Look at guys like John Jansen and, and Chris Samuel, right? They, they've they've had success drafting uh, offensive linemen in this in in this millennium, if you will, right? We're, we're not going to go all the way back to the Hogs and look at all of those guys because um, that would be going back too far, I think. But so, you know, seeing guys like like Taylor Juan get released, they're going to get scooped up probably by a team that's contending and that maybe just needs one more hole to plug in a team that's that's getting ready to go and chase a Super Bowl. So I I, I assume that that he'll be as long as he's healthy and and Lawan I think only played two games this past season before he ended up uh, having a significant knee injury that sidelined him for the remainder of the season. But he, he'll get scooped up I imagine in in no time. Uh, elsewhere around the NFL, I saw this from Netflix today, as a matter of fact. Uh, Netflix is going to be airing a new quarterback series that's going to feature Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota, which is uh, sort of an interesting trio. The series is titled Quarterback, uh, and they're they're basically, I, as, as far as I understand it, three guys. They got filmed at home. They got filmed during some of the games. So it'll be really interesting to see this from not just Mahomes' perspective, and, and very obviously Mahomes will have the most unique perspective as he is the NFL MVP and the Super Bowl champion and the Super Bowl MVP as well. 
but I, I'm I'm interested to see it from Kirk Cousins' point of view as well because, of course, Kirk, having spent several years here in, in D.C., had a pretty successful run at it as well. Uh, the Vikings were a team that had one of the best records in the NFL all season long, and yet if you went and talked to anybody that wasn't a Vikings fan – they would tell you that the Vikings were frauds <laughs> and that they didn't think that the Vikings were as good as their record and and count me as one of those people. And then we were all proven right as the Vikings were dispatched by the New York Giants in the playoffs this past season. This, this yeah, this past season, earlier in 2023. So, and not to mention Marcus Mariota, sure, not one of the top-tier quarterbacks in the league right now, but Atlanta also not a very good team they they were a little bit better than i thought than i think most people figured they would be and and that had to do i think a lot with mariota they they had some dynamic players there running the running the football form between tyler algier and uh cordero patterson took me a second to get that one um but so it's 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 exciting and and i bring it up i give you the i give you the heads up about this because I know Netflix is is cracking down on password sharing right now, and and I admit to being someone that was uh, a share or or sharee of passwords when it comes to Netflix, and and I don't believe that I currently have a Netflix subscription anymore. So to watch that, and I definitely plan to do it. Gonna have to get Netflix again because it actually sounds like it's really cool. There is gonna be NFL films footage as as you would expect because the NFL doesn't do anything they don't make any business decisions without their their name their logo their brand being front and center for any sort of entertainment value so you've got that to look forward to and i certainly am as well and how about this longtime college coach willie taggart is headed to the baltimore ravens this was announced earlier today he's going to coach the running backs Former head coach of Florida State most recently, Captain Todd, I'm sure, remembers his time as the leading man for the Seminoles quite well. It was a brief stint, did not have a whole lot of success there, but thankfully Norvell has come in there for Florida State and helped get them back on track. Taggart, though, former head coach also at Oregon, Western Kentucky, South Florida, and Florida Atlantic. And that's where he was for the last three seasons before he was fired in November, Florida Atlantic. He was set to join Colorado's staff under Deion Sanders, but he's going to take his first NFL job, and he's going to go to the Ravens, who he'll oversee the running backs, as we said. He takes Craig Versteeg's place. He had been coaching the running backs for the past three seasons. Uh, now, what's interesting, Versteeg is still there, and he's been there since John Harbaugh's first season in Baltimore in 2008, but he could get reassigned to a different role. So that's kind of an interesting situation going on there in Baltimore with their running backs coach. And obviously they, they replaced their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, no longer there. Although Greg Roman leading a, a very consistent and good rushing attack in that Ravens offense for, for several years. So it's been a fun show tonight, guys. Going to get ready to hand things off to some Georgetown basketball coming up here in the next 10 to 15 minutes. Big thank you to my producer, Caitlin, and of course, thanks to our lone guest who joined us tonight. That was Ethan Cadeau, all the way back at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. Appreciate Ethan's coverage, NBC Sports, Washington, Commanders, and Capitals. It's good stuff there. 
You can check out the podcast. Use the Rewind app at thefandc.com. I will talk to you all again Friday night, two nights from now, hosting overtime once again from 6.30 to 10. Until then, be safe, be kind, be well. I'm out of here. Deuces. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.